0: Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This is our second podcast on the topic of online teaching and learning in higher education and my guest this week is Paul Feldman, Chief Executive of JISC. It's great to be here. Just to start off, to what extent is online teaching in higher education just a replacement of the same in-person teaching and to what extent is it something different?
1: Well, it's it's definitely a bit of both. Uh, I mean, if, if I think back to when I was in university 40-odd years ago, the predominant model of teaching me at that point was sitting with hundreds of other students, listening to somebody at the front spout on the same thing they'd spouted on for decades before. And, 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 and online teaching can easily replace that type of pedagogy. But the real value, and I'm sure we'll come on to it in the rest of the conversation, is to use it as a tool to totally change the way that teaching happens, uh, in which case it, it, it is something uh, different. So uh, so, so it, it can easily be used to change the, the sage on the stage standing up and spouting, but using it to actually create a different model and a different way of interacting with students is where the real future lies.
0: So obviously, because of the COVID pandemic, UK universities have had to either introduce from scratch or at least significantly ramp up. The amount of online provision that, uh, that they deliver in a very short space of time. What things have we learned from, from what they've been doing so far?
1: If we look back in, in March of this year, the predominant model for almost all lecturing uh, in higher education was face-to-face. Faced with lockdown, universities almost entirely in three weeks went uh, online. In some universities, much much smaller time than that. And let's be honest, an awful lot of those lecturing in, in the early days wasn't great quality. There's even the apocryphal story of, of, of the lecturer who took his acetates, and I mean acetates, and, and was scanning them to be able to talk to them online. It was an emergency, and the sector really stepped up and did a phenomenal job to keep teaching going. But actually, we've learned a lot about uh, how to make that work uh, since then, and universities have done an awful lot to, to improve that and take it from just a simulacra of online of a of a face to face lecture into something different and to think differently about the way that it happens and to to train up their lecturers. I mean, we we did a survey of lecturers and and a significant increase in people's confidence giving online for this academic year versus the summer term.
0: So you answered in the first question that online didn't just replace online teaching and the sage on the stage or it could do something else and clearly immediately that's probably what most universities have tried to replace it with because in many cases that's what they were doing but let's explore a little bit what more can you do with online higher education that is different from just in-person teaching
1: there's a wide range of things i mean if you start first with interactivity if all you do is is sit there and talk and your students listen You can do that, record it, and and the students can listen at their own time. It's not interactive. It's purely information giving. There's some really great examples, though, of lecturers thinking how to use the interactivity that comes with online. If you look at either Zoom or Teams, they all have chat functions. And and, and good lecturers are using those chat functions to generate conversation and to, to get insight being given amongst themselves as it were and certainly many have many lecturers have used that to replace their face-to-face seminars and on those sort of online type seminars using those sorts of facilities and so for example if you've been in a, a 200 person lecture before I mean no one's going to ask a question they sit there very passively online even the shyest person is used to commenting on social media so it plays into our young people's technology attitude, as it were, and actually allows people to express themselves and ask questions in a way they wouldn't otherwise. And again, we'll, we'll come on to it in terms of the future of education. I mean, our, we believe there will be a shift uh, in coming years from a passive lecturer-led teaching to a student-led teaching, where students take the materials in the way that that suit them through various means. And again, it's the just thinking about that pedagogical model of What is the lecturer doing in terms of imparting information and what is the lecturer doing to really challenge and and to check out their critical thinking and to give them those critical thinking skills and to challenge their understanding? And we think the best models will be very much around using the FaceTime, whether it's online or face to face, to do that challenge. Lecturers really challenging students on their understanding and use online as to to actually save that time of the standing up and lecturing.
0: And how much of what you've seen happen so far do you think will stay with universities once the COVID pandemic has passed? And I mean primarily for in-person residential students as opposed to people who are already yeah. learning at a distance.
1: So a very strong intention from senior leaders of higher education is to take some good out of this, to use the The much parroted phrase is build back better. And there really is this desire uh, within the UK to do that. And actually, you've seen the same same, uh, globally, that higher education globally really wants to take some good out of of this. And many senior leaders have have been trying to move in this direction. We were having conversations with many universities about digital transformation over the past uh, two or three years. And this just has given them that sort of in three weeks digital transformation. So there is a real desire in the sector to, to hang on to that. And most institutions will be spending this year thinking about what it means for them, how much of that they'll put in place and, and, what, and what sort of model of, and there's many phrases, blended learning, hybrid learning, whatever it happens to be, will be in their campuses. But I've yet to speak to a vice chancellor that isn't expecting a different pedagogical model in 21-22 than there was in 1920. Most of them haven't answered the question what that looks like for their institutions yet, but I can guarantee they're doing doing that thinking.
0: And does this require new technology or are universities basically just using technology that they've already had for some time, but just at a a, a higher level or a more extensive extent?
1: Certainly for for the pandemic uh, response, very few people introduce new technology. I mean, the, the the odd piece of new functionality. So for example, proctoring for exams to allow exams to happen. So, so there was a need to put some things in just to manage a very different circumstance. But the vast majority of technology used to do online teaching was technology that was around, but but in greater numbers. So for example, at the start of the pandemic, very few universities were using Microsoft Teams. Now it's the predominant model actually in the UK universities. We're quite different to other nations in that sense, uh, but actually the, the UK has gone very heavily into Microsoft Teams and if they're not using that, they're using uh, Zoom. An existing technology, but using it uh, in, a different, in, in a different way. And, and ultimately that, that's the heart of, of what's happened. And they've built, they've built on the virtual learning environments that they had and so on. Now we do, we do expect a whole new set of technologies to come on stream over coming years that will fundamentally shift that model, but it's not what's in place today.
0: And what does this mean for JISC? I mean, has this sudden increase changed the provision of services that JISC provides to the UK academic
1: sector? It's not changed it. It's, it's changed the balance rather than the services. So uh, I mean, we take uh, probably the biggest thing that we've done over the past few months is much more of the advice and guidance on on how do you do good online teaching uh, in higher education. It's something that we've always done, but at quite a low level and probably to the learning technologist communities within higher education. Over the past few months, we've been working with uh, the senior leaders of universities in that advice and guidance role and coordinating the sector to, to give advice. If we look at our cybersecurity uh, technology, it the nature of cybersecurity risks changed when we were off campus. That there were much less need for people to try and attack a campus because there was nobody there to attack. And so the risk came onto people in their homes. And so we've we we had to focus and and, and pivot to supporting universities in that sense. And then there were a different type of attack hit universities over the summer and at the start of the semester. We're actually seeing that go back much more to to, to what we call business as usual. But no, we, we haven't had to put in different technologies, just pivot slightly with what we do. Do you think that as a result
0: of this, the, the student market is going to change with more people wanting to study fully online courses? Uh, and is that a good thing? Is that something the government should be stimulating?
1: I think there, there is value in the online teaching to, to, to take a different market. I mean, our own belief is that the 18-year-old leaving home for the first time, wanting a degree, is going to continue. That This might change the way we teach people, but we'll still be teaching people on campus because they want that campus experience. They want it as the way to get away from home, to learn how to be an adult, to, to get a different experience a maturing, growing up experience. And, and that will continue, and online is just a different way to do it. But if we step back and look at the, the, the economy, and, and this is where the that's coming back to the government question, we, we know there is a real need now, particularly uh, over COVID, but also the impact of the fourth industrial revolution on many jobs. It's gonna require people to rethink and retrain. So it, it's the lifelong learning need where you can't go away for three years. You can't, if you've got a family and a house, you can't stop work for three years to get a degree. Uh, You need you you need to be able to retrain and and get different qualifications sympathetically to your life. And so online is a great way to do part time learning, for example. And that's where the government's sort of uh, the government's initiative that they uh, published earlier in the year in terms of supporting people on a much more part time basis and mature and and, and to retrain actually provides the wherewithal to actually make to, to actually create that online market. A different thing I think government needs to think about is what, what's known as digital poverty. Are the people that actually need to retrain, do they have the capability to take part in online uh, learning? Do they have devices of the right quality? Uh, and, and, and actually, as big a problem, do they have the connectivity to take part in online learning? It was certainly a big issue we saw with students over the pandemic was actually people trying to sit at home when you've got parents around you who are taking up all the bandwidth trying to to, to learn online and there were real stress in our student population not having connectivity even uh, when we're back now we see a lot of students in their student digs without good enough connectivity to take part in online learning and there's a real issue there that uh, we, we would re- that we have been prompting government to deal with. And certainly the Michael Barber, the chair of Office of Students, is carrying out an exercise on what good online teaching looks like, well, how the sector needs to respond. He's certainly come up with digital poverty and data poverty uh, aspects of that as a key issue for government to step up and challenge. And we support that.
0: And what's the role in GISC of all of that, obviously, for broadband and and supplier services in private accommodation, that's not your problem, but across campuses you're definitely involved. So how can you see what you need to change uh, over the coming years? Is it just steady as you go, it increases, or are we looking at a bit of a step change here?
1: We think there needs to be some some form of step change. I I mean, absolutely, uh, as you say, through the Janet Network, we provide unrivaled capability into campuses. So campuses should never have connectivity issues and with Eduroam, uh, which is a, a Wi-Fi standard. People can roam between campuses and, 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 and get Wi-Fi anywhere really easily. The, the nation really needs to, to step up and think about that connectivity challenge. So we would love to see Eduroam and other nations are, are looking at this as well. And the EU has a, a citizen roam type initiative that they, they have an intent to, to create a very wide Wi-Fi zones with high quality connectivity across Europe. We, we we would encourage the government to think about how you do that in the UK. And so 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 we, we've had conversations with with local authorities about trying to create Rome and, and government roam type capabilities so people can get that connectivity. We think that is the way to go and, and it needs to be. On a
0: totally different issue, online learning doesn't always have a good press. It sometimes portrayed negatively about being lower quality or just somehow less of a, of a learning experience than in-person
1: teaching. How do we change that perception? I mean, it's an interesting perception and and I'm not sure it actually bears out in reality. I mean, if you look at the Open University, Open University has been doing distance teaching and an online teaching for many years, and I wouldn't say that Open University teaching is a lesser quality than the teaching that happens in a lecture room and I think it's stepping back and thinking what is the what is the nature of the teaching what is the pedagogical models that are being applied if all you do is put is is, as we said earlier all you do is take a face-to-face lecture and put it online well what's the point in Hmm. that sense but using the technology to rethink the way that teaching happens is where the real opportunities lie and and that's where that's where the value is going to come. But the technology itself doesn't change the quality of teaching. That's down to the lecturer giving the teaching and and using the capabilities they have to give the best teaching they possibly can.
0: I agree with you. It's, it's not always the impression you get from one or two national mm-hmm. newspapers. And I guess it's partly because this year, at least, people have signed up to go to university on the basis of an in-person experience. And maybe they feel that that's not what they're, they're getting. But it would be a shame if the real achievements uh, and benefits of online teaching are sort of lost in that kind of
1: press discussion. Absolutely. And and as I say, let's be honest, the teaching that was given in May and June, for example, uh, isn't the best example of online teaching. And nobody would stand up and say that was the the case. It was lecturers doing the absolute best they could in the circumstances. I think there's a much higher quality of teaching happening in on our campuses today. They're much more able to use the facilities uh, around them. So students that haven't been able to get on campus because they may be vulnerable, for example, will not be having a great experience. But most universities are trying to understand how they can bring, how they can safely bring the physical into the virtual. So being able to have, if you're an engineer, being able to get into a lab and do your engineering. A doctor, someone training to be a doctor, being able to to actually get hands-on Time, time with patients is is critical, and, and online isn't going to uh, replicate, can't replicate that that need for real experience and uh, of 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 your subject, but it can actually facilitate the the learning that you then put into practice, and, and that's and it comes back to thinking about the model and thinking about how you how you do that teaching. So as we come to a
0: close, just as a final question. Where do you think this will all be in five years' time? How will university provision, not the Open University, who are doing this brilliantly already, but the the sort of the mainstream UK university system, how will it have changed in terms of online teaching and learning in, in, say, five years' time?
1: We believe that we will see this steady move to much more student-led learning. So so students in charge of of picking up the the, the material and and the universities and, and lecturers providing much more of their, their knowledge on, online for students to to pick up and use on the way and, and a much more contact time spent in seminars or what we call active-based learning. So students being given in groups or individually tasks to carry out to explore their learning. So, so a pivot from sitting in lecture rooms to much more seminars, tutorials, uh, project and task base, which is a move that the sector's been on anyway, over the past few years. And I think COVID is just going to really accelerate that model. We, we have a, a, a number of, we have vision, a 2030 vision that you'll find on our website formed by the sector that talks about moves in that direction. We also have a concept of Education 4, which is how the information revolution technologies are actually going to fundamentally shift the way we do teaching. And we, and we see a lot of that happening over the next five years on the path to something quite different, but but still in that students sort of picking up the material themselves and lecturers really challenging the students on their knowledge. Yes, it's an exciting time and we'll have
0: to see how all that pans out. Um, we're out of time, but uh, Paul Feldman, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Paul Feldman, Chief Executive of JISC. Paul was also a speaker at a Foundation event entitled Online Teaching and Learning Post-Covid, held on the 25th of November. Videos and material from that event, plus details of all our other events, podcasts and blogs, can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk.